Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Square Ball Podcast number 74 and I am joined by Michael Hello. and Moscow White. Hello there. Unfortunately, no Oddy this time. Apparently, there was some sort of mix-up at the pharmacy, so the doctor won't let him out. You know, usual story. Anyway, moving on. Uh, gents, have you been up to much? No, just a normal, quiet week in uh, West Yorkshire. Yeah, I watched a couple of Leeds games, two home games. Have, Le- have Leeds been playing? Draw with Ipswich, which yeah. I believe we're going to discuss in a while, and then uh, hammered Huddersfield. That I was think very the draw exciting. with Ipswich is probably the main... We're going to focus on that. Yeah, this well, there's a lot of talking points. But with, I mean, with only two games, it's going to go on for quite some time. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, re- I mean, I don't. We could just start straight now. I mean, Paddy Kenny's performance early in the second half has been on my mind for the last week. Listen, let me sidetrack you just for a second and remind people about issue six of the Square Ball. It's out now. Issue seven's coming out soon, isn't it? Yes, it was slightly ruined by uh, Charlton winning in the FA Cup. The selfish swines. Yeah, I don't think that's fair. Why should they win? We didn't exactly, and they're not going to win it. So why pretend? So we might be looking at some kind of special limited edition for number seven. Wipe clean. Does that mean we could put the price up if it's limited edition? Could we just cut out the middleman and just sell it on eBay? Ten quid a copy, starting price. White watching. On to the Ipswich game then. Um, wow, I mean, probably the highlight of this fortnight. I mean, what? Let, let's pick this apart in minute detail. Don't underrate the Huddersfield game. Huddersfield game is pretty big, but Ipswich, yeah. finally, we stopped losing. That's the biggest event of the last two weeks is that Leeds United are no longer losers. It took, mean, yeah, it took us an hour to stop losing. Oh, no, we were... No, we were drawing for the first... Yeah, um, we, were only, we were only actually losing for about five minutes. Okay. Yeah, think of it another way. Admit, I mean, we had been losing for the previous, what is it, 20 games we'd lost on the trot. And we were only losing because Paddy Kenny, he sent poor Hubker out in the second half to sub for him. It was a really dire game, was this? And it was more or less a nil-nil, in my opinion. But for Paddy Kenny's silly um, Rahubka business, and then the defender just ploughing through Stewart when he was running absolutely nowhere. Best thing Stewart's done so far. Getting twatted. Yes. People said he wasn't going to come good. Well, I mean, personally, I would like to see Varney in his place in this game. He, he had something on. Obviously oh, busy. busy. Yeah. He was busy. Yeah. He'd, uh, did you see about the, um, the Thwaites Brewery in Blackburn, where the um, the employees were getting the sack, so they turned off certain letters in the illuminated Thwaites sign that towers above the town. It spelled twats, didn't it? Maybe they were welcoming him. Welcoming Luke. Damn you, stealing my punchline, you swine. Yeah, he'd he'd had his head turned by... um, What, the bright lights of Blackburn? (laughs) Maybe David Batty had been on the phone and really sold it to him, telling him about all the fun he'd have there. As a benefit, though, we got to watch um, fat El Hajjouf lumbering around the pitch for... uh... (laughs) Waddling up front... (laughs) Is that, is that, does he like acquire an extra name? Because El Hadjjouf is quite a long name already, is he now? The Fat El Hadjjouf. <laughs> this is his um, Vegas period, isn't it? <laughs> El Hadjjouf 69, comeback. <laughs> yeah, he, he really didn't look very good at all. A lot of people you hear saying, oh, he's one of our, he's one of our better players on his day. Skillful. Get him in the t- absolutely hopeless. Didn't contribute anything. No, people say Ross McCormack can't play up front on his own. Well, we had practice against Ipswich. Even when, when Polian came on, for as limited as he is, the fact he could do things above walking pace all of a sudden gave their defence something to worry about because as it was, they could just basically leave Juve. He's not going anywhere, is he? Yeah, Polian, as we saw against um, Watford at the end of last season, can hurt you physically or at least make you hurt yourself, which makes him sound like a Justin 
Bieber meme um, of some kind. <laughs> what are you talking about? Do you follow Justin Bieber online? I don't know, but... Um, what about the other wide man then? You moved on from Stuart. What about Kebe? He wasn't great in this, was he? Also uh, horrendous. In mm. fact, worse than Stuart, because at least Stuart had the grace to get kicked. Well, that's the one noticeable thing about Kebe is he doesn't like getting involved. He's not one for getting kicked, I don't think. And he's certainly never going to be kicking anybody else. There were a few times in the Huddersfield game where he seemed almost on the edge of getting in the mix of things. But I imagine if there ever was like a scrap going on, he would just sort of run up and kick somebody up the bum and then kind of run away again. That's, that's about as tough as he is. He'd be the guy that um, crouches down on all fours behind someone so somebody could push them over. Billy Bremner, he ain't. And also Billy Bremner could keep hold of a football, which would have been helpful for the Switch Town goal. Because um, it was Stewart who gave it away for Huddersfield's goal and Kebe. He was obviously catching up with Kebe, having let it go for the Ipswich one. It was a team that I think picked not to lose more than anything, proved by Michael Brown's presence. Mm. You know what you're getting with Brownie. He must have had Warnock on the phone. The best he could have done at the start of the second half was run back to Paddy Kenny's goal and just sort of slapped him back awake. He was doing very odd things. And it's the first time I've looked at a player and thought... Are they being paid to throw this? I know he, wa- I know he wasn't, and I'd, I'd rationalised it afterwards by saying it must have been he must have been missing Varney, or having some kind of crisis about the way things have been going before the game, and, and now obviously maybe he was worried about his Chevy Spark. I love the way that developed. It started with um, just a number plate, and then with the honour of a vehicle, then with the honour of a vehicle, a Chevy Spark. And it went on and on. But yeah, he did this thing at the start of the second half where he he went and played left back for a while, received a throw-in and passed it to Tom Lees, who was sort of standing around the penalty spot, and then just stood and watched as Tom Lees, with the ball at his feet, had all of Ipswich Town's attackers running down on him, as if he was just like, I really hope he scores an own goal. As if he's just like, go, go on, Tom, deal with that, you <laughs> Oops, sorry. <laughs> um, and then the, the goal, I've now looked at the replay and see he did dive, but he didn't even, he just got up as if it had gone out for a goal kick and didn't seem bothered at all. And it, it suggested to me, um, when we found out that Luke Varney, obviously, had... Was it Varney that tried to sit on the bench with McDermott? <laughs> um, he'd been trying to do that. Are we, are we allowed, and all that had been going on. Are we allowed to refer to him as tr- uh, traitorous Luke Varney yet, or treacherous? Um, I believe Brian McDermott has said nothing is irretrievable, and that he was only trying to do the best for his family, as any of us would do, although I don't particularly feel like trying my best for Luke Varney's family. I mean, it's his problem. And I don't also see how moving them to Blackburn is really the best for Luke Varney's family. So something needs to get relatively speaking, they'll feel richer. Mm. <laughs> Maybe that's it. But yeah, so that was that was no goal. But you know, we got a draw, and it was good to be back to drawing ways, even if the game itself was awful. Well, what we desperately needed was not a Chevy Spark. It was it was a win, a win in a football match. A win, a win is going a little bit too far. I mean, we got a draw. Let's not push our luck. This is true. I mean, we don't want to get, start getting greedy. No, exactly. No. And if we were to win, I would like us to win against the narrow margin against a no-mark team. Or? Absolutely thump the dog botherers. That would have been fun. I don't know. What do you think? Well, Saturday's second half was very good. First half... It went more or less as I would have expected the first half, with mm. them shading it, taking the lead, was looking generally sort of lacking shape, almost as if there was no manager to, to, uh, to guide them. Um, and then the second <laughs> half kind of happened. Fucking hell. <laughs> well, the first half looked like they'd all had Paddy Kenny's kind of distraction problem from Tuesday. And then um, after the goal went in, there was that little conference that um, I noticed it wasn't just Ross McCormack calling it, but that Rudy Austin got involved as well. Cameron Stewart, who had given the ball away, was too busy apologising to everybody in the East Stand individually, one by one, <laughs> and then kind of looked across and like, "Oh, you having a me- can I? Can you, what are you saying? What what are you saying?" And then so he got kind of left out of the um, "Come on, lads" conversation, um, but the rest of them heard what they needed to hear and, and acted upon it. God bless each and every single one of those boys, those brave, brave boys. Um, Ross, with a captain's performance, and in light of everything that had gone before which of course we will come on to. We needed a leader out there, didn't we? He'd been standing on the shoulders of Varney for as long as he could. Tried standing on the shoulders of Joof, but you can't stand on a sphere. And he just had to stand on his own. Little fella. But my God, he was a giant that day. Before the game, who would have thought McCormack up front by himself would be a formation that would ever work? Billy Painter used to prevent him from having a proper go at that. <laughs> it was Becchio, 
Peter and Sommer kind of uh, equidistant, and then McCormack getting... Wasn't there that story that at the end of the season that Ross McCormack had written a strong letter to Simon Grayson saying, you re- I, I really, really, really want to be playing, please. Please, can I have a game? He's not 10. <laughs> <laughs> well... He seemed like he was acting like he was at the time. But then, he, I mean, at the end of that season, he got some goals and then we sold everybody else. So it's up to him now. It was slightly confusing how the Huddersfield centre-backs had one man to mark and never seemed to do it. I don't think they're very good, which helps. <laughs> yeah, that was odd. It was a bit like watching a kind of Andy O'Brien, Michalik dream team. Poro like Smithies anyway. Um, do you remember he conceded four at Ellen Road? The nearly, memories. Yes, nearly, nearly finished him in football, did that. But at least we've come back and just reminded him that he can concede five. And the fifth was entirely his fault, yeah. which was tremendous work. Um, yeah, that was a lovely, lovely finish, was that. Almost piss-taking in its quality. Yeah, it, it absolutely clattered his own defender. And Don Polion wasn't on the pitch at that point, was he? Maybe Invisible he was. hand. Had Polion come on? Did Polion play a sub? Or maybe he's just giving him... He didn't come on, but... Um, was he vibing his telekinetic powers shoved the, uh, the defender into him. And then Kebby's goal as well. Kebby was good. We need to point out the only reason we could say that Kebby was rubbish against Ipswich yes. so we can emphasise that against Huddersfield he actually looked... He looked like he could run about ten times as fast as he could manage against Ipswich. He genuinely looked like he was running through treacle in every game he played so far and then suddenly Huddersfield, he was a, a pacey world of speed. It helped him a lot in this game as well. The Byron was getting forward a lot and those two actually looked very dangerous on the right hand side. Sam Byron was bloody brilliant he in this match. He was bloody brilliant in this match. It's, al- it's almost like Brian McDermott's tactics are starting to fall into place in this game. You know, just, we just needed a... I'm not finished talking about Sam Byron, <laughs> just how good he is. There was one moment in particular which I was just impressed by him because he just kind of understands it. it like, I'm, I'm crap at football and when I'm on the pitch I make really bad decisions but I feel like when I'm watching it, because you can see everything, you kind of know what they should do. And Sam Byron does what you think they should do while watching it, whereas no one else does. Yeah. There was one point where someone was screaming for the ball and they were offside and he went, no, I'm going to hold on to it because you're offside. <laughs> and anyone else would have just passed it to a man who was offside. But Fucking P.S. hoofing it for. <laughs> it's almost like, it's almost like he, he's good at football. He's incredibly good at football and it's, um, I wonder if it's only because the rest of them aren't as good as him and it's a bit of a shame that they're all like five years older than him and they're nowhere near as good. <laughs> Luke Varney, as he makes his way over the Pennines, should look back over his shoulder at Sam Byram and be ashamed. But do you remember when Luke Varney used to play on the left wing and he used to just get his head down and run into a corner until it had gone out of play? Sam Byram's the opposite of that. The poor man's Huckabee. <laughs> yeah, slow Huckabee. That's how Varney used to play on out wide. Some questions then to come out of these games. Obviously, we can't really disentangle what happened against Huddersfield from the surrounding issues, I think we'll refer to them at the minute. Yes, it's um, one way of putting it. It was nice to go to a game not knowing who was... Going to be in charge. That's, a, that's new. It's an exciting novelty. Or playing. It was almost a shame, I mean, we'll come on to this, but almost a shame that some of those rumoured Serie B players <laughs> didn't play. Because, you know. They would have been a lovely channel for our anger. Yeah. Or if they all looked like um, Andrea Tabanelli, just a, a channel for our spunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of a delicate way of putting it, but, but look at him, there just isn't. <laughs> What I was going to say, I was leading on to asking, perhaps we're only good in the face of adversity. I don't know. We've, I think being in the championship and being relegated from that and then failing to get out of League yeah, One, yeah. I think all that was fairly ad- adverse circumstances. We need Maybe they need to be uniquely adverse circumstances. Oh, okay. So every week we need to think of a brand new way of completely unsettling... Jufy's legs have burnt off. <laughs> Do this for Jufy. <laughs> anyway, after 28 games, we are 11th on 39 points. Yay, we finally won. We are 8 points from the playoffs and 15 points from relegation. And who on earth, who on earth knows what's going to happen next? The news. Possibly one of the most exciting things to have happened in the last fortnight will be the transfer window. It closed, didn't it? That was a, a thriller minute affair on Sky Sports News. We become the became the main story on it. As well, for a, for a period, because there was not a great deal happening. Who would have thought the potential transfer of Luke Varney from Luke, Leeds United to Blackburn would be so fascinating to Jim White? Well, wasn't it just? And, um, well, Ross obviously got in on the act. Well, we turned down a bid for Ross, first and foremost. We should probably mention that. Do we know how much in the end? Well, reported to be six of your million pounds. It's quite a lot of money. 
It is. Well, he's, he is top scorer in the championship division with 21 goals. At the time, he didn't have that many. That's true. Overvalued then, probably. Yeah. What's he worth now? Seven. There you go. Fifteen. Random numbers. Anyway, so let's let's go back to the the uh, the Massimo transfers, the uh, the Cellini deals, the blocks, the stops. Yeah, um, everybody's saying he's going to um, spend loads of money. All he's doing is just stopping anybody else from giving us money, retaining bad players. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want Varney. Varney to Blackburn, no say Massimo. Peltier to Bolton, no say Massimo. Green to Ipswich, no, no, no say Massimo. Oh, okay. The, the, I, I can understand. I haven't Pel- heard him speak yet, but really, that's how all Italians sound. But racist. Um, yeah, Peltier can understand wanting to keep, but mm. Vanny and Green, what are you doing, Massimo? <laughs> and why are you doing it? You're not even allowed. Well, Green has played at a World Cup. Tiddlywinks World Cup. <laughs> Did he? He played for Ireland at the World Cup. Didn't he come on against Spain? And, <laughs> oh no, it was the European Championship. And he was declared the worst player at the European Championships for his performance against Spain. I remember it distinctly. So, he, you know, he's got a reputation. He so, was there. Yes, he definitely. I've not played at a World Cup. Exactly. Had I been there, I would have been worse than him. Yes. So, he's got a, he's got that. Even Peltier, a bit risky given that Byram's got an old man's hip. But, you know, do without. And plus, before long, we'll just sign Daniel Alves. That's true. That is true, yeah. As cover for Byram. Well, with our newfound millions that we don't yet have. Um, well, we did sign Andrea Tavanelli, the beautiful kind Andrew. of... Well, someone signed him. Well, I mean, we... Or might, not, we? might not have been us. Well, he's listed on the official site, so I'm, I'm claiming him. Yeah. What are you claiming him for, exactly? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Well, can I give you some of the interesting facts that I know about him? Because with my extensive football knowledge, nationality, mm-hmm. Italian. I don't think we're going to be hearing a lot about that. Yep. He was born... On the 2nd of February in Ravenna. It's just been his birthday. That's a shame. Didn't Never uh, never mentioned it. <laughs> He's 193 centimetres. In what, width? Tallness. Oh, right, OK. Um, and his position is a midfielder. His position is a god, frankly, if you look at him. His face is beautiful. He looks like a sort of a 90s heartthrob. He looks almost like Curtis Steigers. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly the vision of Curtis Steigers I have in my mind. From my mum's CDs. The, the other crucial things to know about him is he, he scored a goal for Chisena in Serie B, um, a header at the back post, and he celebrated it by rolling down his sock, taking his shin pad from around his shin and pretending to make a phone call with it. <laughs> oh, the hilarity. Yes, it's very good. And the other thing is that he, um, until we've signed him from Cagliari, mm. but um, a week before we signed him from Cagliari, he joined Cagliari on loan from Chisena. So, Chisane loaned him to Cagliari a fortnight ago, and then, well, probably less than a fortnight ago now, and then on Friday, we appear to have loaned him from Cagliari. That's the best way I can piece it together from a transfermarkt.co.uk, and certainly every other sort of bio says he was at Chisane up until, like, two weeks ago. And I'm sure I saw something with a, a Cagliari fan, uh, or at least an Italian fan, saying he is nowhere near ready for first-team football anywhere um, and that he had just been signed for Cagliari so that he could move to Leeds. That's good. That's okay. promising, isn't it? That sounds good. That's out, that's out of order. So we, so Cagliari don't even own him. It's unclear. It's, if I had lent you my lawnmower and <laughs> yes. I said, can I have it back? And you went, oh, I've, I've, um, I've, I've lent it to Dan. I would say, why? <laughs> I gave well, you that lawnmower in good faith. Because I don't have a lawn. <laughs> I live in an attic flat. I've got a lawn. That's why yeah, so it makes why, more sense. That's why isn't, I need, isn't that rule about you're only allowed to play for... Or maybe he's not played for them. You're only allowed to play for two clubs any season or something. Loans well. don't count. Oh, what well, a Surely they do. Didn't that's what happened with um, Stewart, isn't it? Yes. Because he played on loan at Charlton. Sorry, and, emergency loans don't count and they can only happen within your same country. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> he's probably shit anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> there probably wasn't time for him to play a game. I've just discovered the... Uh, the Wi-Fi here. I wish I'd known about this years ago, so I can actually look up right now how many games he played. Yeah, he ain't played for Cagliari. Hey, do you know there's a Leeds on the Road event coming up? That sounds good. Where's it going to be? Well, uh, according to the official site, and bearing in mind we're recording on, I mean, given the speed with which things are changing mm. every single hour at Ellen Road, it's worth pointing out it's now half past seven on Wednesday the 5th of February. 7.27. I think we need to be more exact yeah. Yeah. given the developments. We need to timestamp everything. It's in 47 seconds. We, uh, 
on the official site as of a bit ago. Uh, there is <laughs> well, this could be awkward. Leeds United manager Brian McDermott is going to be heading up the guest list for the next Leeds on the Road event of the season. That's awkward in itself. Yes. The event is going to take place on Friday the 21st of February. So how many weeks away That's is that? That's a good two weeks away. Right, OK. Um, ahead of our trip to Middlesbrough. which we should still be there. Yeah, we're doing that. Yeah. Are we using... F- well, we've, you've not mentioned the venue yet. Well, it's going to be at the club's official academy sponsor, mm. Flamingo Land. So well, that's on the way to Middlesbrough. Is there a is. hotel? <laughs> Maybe they could stay over there, and it like <sighs> cuts the journey in two. So yeah, there are several things potentially uh, wrong with that uh, that statement. So what it, what it potentially could end up with is just <laughs> Peter Lorimer in a car park. Is what I'm reading because I think anyone else is probably potentially going to be sacked or not involved. <laughs> Yeah, you need to put asterisks next to Brian McDermott. Neil Redfern. Neil Redfern. I think, I th- I'm think i thinking Gray and um, Dominic Matteo might have the, the decency to tell him to stick it up his arse. Yeah. Which leaves Peter Lorimer, who will do literally anything. Well, and also, he can't go to Flamingo Land because they... No. They aren't... The, are they currently the official? No, it'll, it's, uh, it'll be re, uh, rehoused at Lightwater Valley. <laughs> they did, actually, the Flamingo Land account did tweet... Reg- regional joke for you there, listener. They did tweet that they would uh, they would come back on board when Brian McDermott came back because they were obviously getting so many questions from people. So they could currently be um, official academy sponsor. However, two weeks is a long time in football. It's a bloody lifetime in the world of Leeds United, isn't it? Yes. Well, how much are tickets? I wouldn't pay in advance for anything at Leeds United at the moment. <laughs> do you do tickets on the dole? <laughs> if people are going to buy tickets for this, I'd like to announce that also on the... Uh, 21st of February. I've got Pele and Diego Maradona are going to be um, in my kitchen for a chat. So yeah, it's £80 for a ticket. Just transfer the money straight to me and we'll see. Nothing can possibly go wrong. Still working on it, some of the finer details, but yeah, broadly speaking, that's what's going to happen. Well, one person who is coming back, Vinnie Jones, is going to be the special guest for the Millwall game on Saturday the 22nd of March. Well, at the minute, Vinnie's going to be the special guest for... (laughs) Oh, God. For the uh, for the game against Millwall, I think I'm proposing we all go out and get Vinnie haircuts for the occasion. Not really an option. Uh, <laughs> yeah, after you. Well, well it's quite I, fashionable now, isn't it? I, again? I don't know. I, mm. I I had it when I was twelve. We're talking, you know, twenty three, twenty four years ago. Now. Everyone's con- kind of combining it with a, a quiff, so it's it's um it's the Vinnie sides, but then uh, it doesn't look hard anymore, though, does it? No. Especially not if you've got like you've got a guitar just underneath your chin. It's very much a, a soft boy's haircut these days. Tell Vinny that when no, it's twenty second no, of March. His his, his version is still. <laughs> well, you know, I've always wanted to say to you, Vinny. Seven fifty four on Wednesday, the fifth of February. Yes, um, we really have just been pissing around for all that time in the middle. <laughs> in the interest of openness, we should also say we did watch Helen Daniels die on YouTube as well. Yes, in the intervening period. Just to, been, just to lighten the mood. We've been watching things on YouTube from 1980s Neighbours. It was that and Bouncer's Dream yeah. while listening to uh, Starship. The things the things you do when you're waiting for a bloody statement. Release the damn statement, man. Just... Does Helen have to die again? <laughs> let's, let's hope not. Let's this has been like... All our lives since Friday tea time. I mean, I know it was all going a bit weird at the Ipswich game, but when you think about the chaos of the Ipswich game with Flowers' statement and then David Haig released his 22-tweet statement, <laughs> that now looks like calm. Um, I woke up yesterday morning, Tuesday morning, thinking, bloody hell, this has been a long week. It was Tuesday morning. I tweeted something to that effect late last night. It's only 79 hours since we finished beating Huddersfield. It feels like a lifetime ago. The world has gone mad, is yes. probably the right way to describe it. So without delving, there's no point, there's no way we can possibly tackle all the events that have gone on. So maybe we should treat it like sort of match of the day two and do like our highlights package, our favourite things that have happened in the takeover saga. My personal favourite was um, people chasing taxis around the ground and not allowing them to leave. In a semi-threatening manner. Yeah, but you know what? It's quite good, that. I approve. And it worked. That's the other thing. I was, see, I was watching it unfold and I almost thought, I could drive down there and get involved. Then I thought, no, I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I, it would be unwise to drive down there. It <laughs> is lovely that it, it had the effect that was required because his mouthpiece, Simon Austin, well, mouthpiece is maybe a bit hard. The only guy he speaks to, Simon Austin, has even said it spooked him 
this, he said he want Massimo Cellino wants to be seen as like one of the lads. He's a nice guy, man of the people, man of the people. But so when uh, so he thought he must have thought, but by saying this Brian McDermott guy was being um, making it impossible, arguing with everybody. He said he was talking to the newspapers. I didn't see many like tabloid interviews with Brian McDermott. My leads pain. And then when it turned out that actually everybody likes McDermott and nobody cares about you yet, that may change. Yeah, he's had to backtrack and go, well, actually GFH wanted him sacked and I, I just did it because they, they didn't have the guts. I love that. They didn't have the guts. <laughs> I, was, I, I was brave enough to take him on. What's your personal highlight from all this, uh, this morass? Um, the, I think the point where it went from anger-making and sad to just too surreal to be anything less than funny was the moment on Sunday night. Two things happened simultaneously. Adam Pope tweeted that, because this has just been a weekend and a week of following Adam Pope and Phil Hay on Twitter, who have both been doing an absolutely incredible job. If you think about how many phone calls, text messages and emails are probably involved in every one tweet, I'm glad I'm not them. But then I wish I wasn't me as well. So... (laughs) Save it, so, save it for afterwards. Simultaneously, Adam Pope tweeted that the Sporting Capital and Together Leeds consortiums were teaming up to form a mega consortium to buy the club out from underneath, well, from through the legs of Massimo Cellino. And that was exciting enough. But then just as that was happening, David Haig broke his Twitter silence by retweeting Pamela Anderson who had two links to videos. So I don't know why he had to retweet them out of Pamela Anderson's account. He could have just found the link on YouTube, posted them himself. Revolution by the Beatles, Starman by David Bowie. That's exciting enough. And then uh, he started with Team Before Self every time, wasn't Nearly. it? Yeah, as Willie Bremnath once said. <laughs> Charging all together. <laughs> <laughs> that was deleted. And then, like a stopped clock, he got it right second time. Side before, he said something like, the only thing on my mind at the moment is side before self every time, Billy Bremner. Well done, Dave. Bit odd with the Pamela Anderson stuff, that team before self thing. I think it was Simon Ricks from the Kaiser Chiefs who was pelting him for that. So that's not gone unnoticed, but two attempts, not a problem. Even Joey Barton can fucking Google quotes. But then he deleted that for some reason. And then he just put side before self every time with uh, out the second E, left off the Billy Bremner attribution and presumably at that point fell asleep on his kitchen table and didn't wake till morning i hope because he seemed like he needed the rest that was quite exciting he, he would have missed the whole uh, quotes by hay hashtag that went around in his honor but some of those were good the problem with it was was knowing that somewhere in this city david haig was awake and tweeting meant it was impossible for anybody else to go to sleep because he was just staring at the screen going what's he gonna say next what's coming next well, social media has been, I was going to say highlight, but that would probably be the wrong word to use. But I was going to say it, it's been a highlight of this whole saga, really, hasn't it? And talking in terms of my highlight, it's it's probably that a fairly large amount of the male Leeds United supporting public have nailed their colours to a particular mast based on which of either Mike Farnan or Massimo Cellino's daughters they would most like to clamber on board, presumably. I've only really paid attention to the... Um Eleonora Cellino, because it's interesting, one, that uh, she has given her name to the company that will be buying our football club if Massimo Cellino is successful. And secondly, because she's the daughter of an Italian man living in Miami, who I don't think is necessarily prepared for a load of Yorkshire people coming on and going, uh, we got, we've got Harvey Nicks in Leeds. Are you coming? Can I have sex with you? Basically. Um <laughs> Uh, so that's been quite interesting. Uh, whereas I think Poppy Farnan is maybe... How can I say that she's a bit more streetwise without making her sound cheap? Which I don't mean to in any way. She's a good, solid Cheshire girl. That's what she is. <laughs> Salt of the earth Cheshire type. Yeah. You can probably paint your own picture from that. Yes. And if you can't paint your own picture, Google her. And there's lots of pictures of both girls Poppy available. Poppy, is it? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> the whole... Just, uh, just a minute. I've not just, seen it yet. Just did, Michael just doing some live research on the podcast. We we thought it, we'd already... It's amazing how uh, Eleonora passed under the radar for so long because... Um, you, do you mean your radar? Everybody's radar. She ain't my type. She's got weird, funny uh, face. I think on balance, I'm, I'm in favour of Poppy as opposed to this uh, this other woman. 
In in what way? I don't know. I think she thinks the language barrier. You know, I think I prefer her. She lives in Miami. Well, I can mean the Americans can't speak properly, can they? That's true. On to more serious matters. Then you can't help but thoroughly feel for Brian McDermott, who's been stuck in the middle of all this and his treatment over the weekend. If you had to describe his treatment in a single word, how would you describe it? Shite. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I was thinking shabby. Disgraceful. Yeah. That works for me. Huge dignity in the face of adversity. Don't you just want to kind of give him a cuddle and say sorry? He was nice anyway, but the whole thing's made him really nice. It's like when terrible things happen to people, like the whole family gets killed by someone and they go, hey, look, let's not have any revenge. Why don't we all just try and love each other as a way of of getting over this? Yeah. He's done that. Start becoming a fundraiser for good causes. Yeah. Devote their life to uh, improving the world rather than taking out... You're not going after the people who've made his life a misery. He's just saying, look... This guy who's turned up at training, maybe he's a good footballer. Yes. He deserves, but, he deserves my respect, as does everyone in the world. Rather than saying, who the fuck's this? And sp- speaking of the uh, of the real, sort of the hugest, most conspicuous villain of the piece, he's even left the door open for Luke Varney, said nothing is irretrievable. <laughs> so that's a great, uh, great self-control. What could, an incredible restraint. You could see, when you watch the Sky Sports video back, who zoomed in right on his face when he turns and he starts on to Adam Pope and Adam Pope is saying like uh, there's that question he says did you did you know that the phone call when it came from this lawyer you'd never spoken to before did you know that it was Mr Cellino who was firing you at that point and you can see the look in his eyes there is a moment where um, if Cellino had been in that room all that kind of kindness and milk would have turned into fury and punching. But then he restrained himself and I loved his answer. He said, well, I imagined so. You would imagine. I'd imagine that was what was going on. Yes. And uh, and it was another one of Adam's questions was, um, were you angry? I said, no, I was calm. I was just concentrating on the match. He obviously knew what was coming in the from the press conference earlier in the day when the talk was of him maybe being sacked. And he just said, I'm just looking forward to the game. It's going to be great. I'm really pleased to be manager here. That's it. And he was he was um, definitely batting away questions about his future if Salino does take charge when he was saying, well, because people were asking, do you think you'll be manager against Yeovil? And he was saying, well, no way of saying. All speculation. But then no manager can be sure that they'll still be in a job at the weekend, which is true. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. However, some of them can be maybe a little bit more sure than you are when the Italian chap that has already sacked you once um, looks like he's about to buy the club. And this, although he may now have said, hey, Brian's a great guy and um, Festa was just there to translate for him because I understand he doesn't speak Yorkshire or whatever his bullshit excuses were. I'm not sure that working relationship has got a very long shelf life <laughs> myself. He seems to have um, very quick to change his opinions, doesn't he, old um, Chilino, when he, he did the two interviews inside 24 hours. 
saying entirely opposite things. Yes. Doesn't set him off on the right foot, really, no, in terms of honesty. No. It's difficult because, obviously, we're trying to get a clue to his character, but people are making all these assumptions about how he's been at Cagliari. Uh, he's been there for 21 years, so he's obviously hard-nosed. And then he's got all these millions behind him from his agriculture businesses. He's the king of corn. So he's going to spend loads of money, but then Calgary's spending record, he's actually turned a profit. Everyone immediately says what he does is he gets young players. Imagine, say, a Sam Byron. Fabian Delph. A Fabian Delph. Johnny Housen. Um, and gets them, uh, gets them to a point where they're playing very well and then sells them for lots and lots of money and then repeats. So he sells for lots of money, he doesn't buy for lots of money. He says, no, but he's going to be, you know, he'll buy big-name players. And then the idea, our team is going to be full of fantastic Italians. Well, we got... Andrea Tabanelli through the door, who is fantastic as a physical specimen, but is a Serie B player who has happened to spend a week with Chilino's current club. So you're trying to make what best you can of his previous character and then translate that to how he has acted. And the way he has acted is like an utter... I mean, look, he's not really the villain in the piece here, is he? Not yet. He's not covered himself in glory with what's happened first. It was really shameful what happened. Perhaps a sign of things to come, but I think we'd be remiss of us not to focus on GFH in yeah. this bit. The worry with Chilino is it's a sign that we're being bought by a villain. That's the problem. Yeah. So we've had a week at which, at the end of this week, I just go, you know what? I'd, I'd rather not be owned by him. Before we move on to GFH, then, actually, just to tie that bit up, the thing that worries me about Chilino is that we're fairly stable now in mid-table. Probably not going to go up, probably not going to go down, as long as we remain stable. And this is going to come in, and it's he's clearly going to upset the apple cart. Who knows what's going to happen within the squad, and if he puts Fester in charge, and all of a sudden we find ourselves hurtling down the table. Now, we, we might go up, you never know, and it might be great. We might walk to the championship uh, title next year, or we might go down. It's got all the hallmarks of making a real mess of this season. If you imagine Leeds United as a deck of cards and you've carefully put all the suits in order because you're obsessive and compulsive and it's a disorder. This is just taking that careful pack of cards, you've maybe got 51 in place, and just throwing them all up in the air again. Said, well, you can still put them all back together. It's, the problem is it extends beyond the team. I went to Brian McDermott's press conference on Monday and uh, probably would have learnt more by uh, staying at home because he whispers. So if you're at the back of the room, you can't hear, I was catching like every third word. But it was interesting being there, one, to see him in the flesh, and I didn't quite get to touch him, but, you know, it would have... Would uh, you have rubbed his head? No, I think it would have been a supportive kind of a hand on the shoulder. Good man. Just one hand. But the, the other thing that stood out about the place was how depressed everybody who works for Leeds United looked. Chilino hasn't only turned up this week and been acting like he owns place. He's been around for several weeks. And the instability, I don't think, has had a positive effect on anybody who works at Leeds United away from the football team. If you imagine Leeds United as a group of staff, ticket office, catering, reception, backroom, they were all checking Twitter all weekend, as we were, but not just to see like whether we're going to be signing big players or whether we're going to sell or keep Ross McCormack, but to see whether they're going to turn up at work on Monday and somebody new is going to be doing their job. If you applied the scorched earth policy he applied to the management and the football team on Friday to the rest of the place, they're probably all shitting themselves. The alternative, of course, if, if you're not that keen on Cellino, and we may have to suck it up, but the, the alternative, uh, the Farnan group, I mean, we don't know a great deal about their backing. We're told they have good funding and good backing which we understand to be true. But, you know, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Um, lots of football people in that group. Uh, what are your thoughts on them? What if Chilino's just gone in and, and put more cash on the table? At the moment, they seem attractive purely because we have had a brief glimpse of how Chilino acts and it looks like a complete nightmare. And whereas this other group, even those you don't know anything about, you think, I'd be probably willing to take them over that other guy because he's a lunatic. And there are some reputable people in there like Farnan is obviously has a <coughs> background at Man U, um, which we don't need to mention too much. Um, but there are there are football people within that group, which makes you think maybe they'll know what they're doing. The big one is Adam Pearson is there. I mean, Adam Pearson has been like a bit of a holy saviour figure for a long time. Like if you, he just seems he's one of those people who just you would actually trust. 
very few of those around in football who actually seem trustworthy, competent, know what they're doing and uh, would be happy to have him. I mean, I have reservations. We don't know detail about their backing. Farnan, the Man United connection is what it is. A little bit more worried about his Sunderland stuff and that Invest in Africa uh, sponsorship deal. Yeah. Connections to an Irish oil company who have um, a less than clean, well, a, a less than attractive human rights record. So they're, they're often being accused of bad times in the countries they drill in. I mean, this is the lot of the modern football fans. He kind of weighing up, well, well you've got... Two, the, the lesser of two evils. Yeah, obviously. you've got two convictions for fraud. You've got kind of a shonky sponsorship deal that nobody really understood. Mm. Who's less likely to change the kit colour and the name? Yeah. It's stuff like that that you think, well, I, I can't see that group doing it. Yeah. The Italian, mm, could make us play in Cagliari strip. Quite a nice kit, actually. I know it's got a lot of red on it, but red and blue. Yeah. <laughs> This um, is quite smart. Halves. We back to halves. I'm, it's a shame that in all of this that people are still, even after Bates, so swayed by money. Though people are like, "This guy's rich. We we'll want him." But do we really? Like yeah. the same people who like I would say that these people are wrong. But the Cardiff fans who are still like basically supporting Vincent Tan by just being well, he's put money in. I know he's like changed the colours and the badge and you know whatever. But wouldn't you rather be in the Premiership? I just think well. Personally, no. 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 I'd rather not have all that and shit. It's a misunderstanding of the way football's going. People seem to dismiss financial fair play. Say, oh, well, they'll just find a way around it. And there will be ways around it. I mean, Manchester City are better find one since there isn't their wage bill, something like £400,000 an hour. So they need to find a balance. But it's not... I don't think it's going to be quite as toothless as people expect, and certainly not at our level, because... Um, it's difficult to punish Manchester City because they're Manchester City and they're in the Champions League and you wait for one of them in the Champions League. In the Championship, if we overspend, they'll just fine us. They'll just say, no, you can't come up. You can't spend that much money over the what the rules allow and expect to be promoted. Stay down. We don't want it. We got well, all no, the- they'll take them up and it's going to be cash fines. But of course, the incentive there is, well, sod it. We might as well spend an extra 10 million, get fined 10 million and go up and get 120 million. So it, maybe it is a paper tiger. I don't know. So out of the two then, which at the moment are you favouring if it's the case of the lesser of two evils? Do you, do you have a preference or are you just going to see what happens? Out of those two, I'm team together leads, team farming. I've never particularly wanted to be run by... I didn't enjoy being run by a poor megalomaniac. Um, and I don't see much more appeal in being run by a rich one. Yeah, much the same really from my point of view, I think. Um, and as well, they seem to be the only ones that have conducted themselves with anything like respectable business type behaviour. They almost benefited from that in being locked out of the negotiations for so long because it was David Hagen's Andrew Flowers' sport capital had their exclusivity with GFH. So after that initial bid, Farn and, and Verity and Co just had to sort of sit back and go, we can't do anything about this until this week. That's one of the things that maybe Chilino and GFH have never learned is that sort of the less you say, the better you appear. It's kind of like the um, when people are calling for like Michael Tong to get back in the team. I've not seen him play for a while. Remember Tongi? He was good. He'd be better than this lot. One thing that suggests Farnan's group might still have a chance as well is that it was months ago now since they made that first initial offer and GFH were clearly been trying to sell us since then. Yeah. And yet keep nudging Farnan's still like, well, well, you're not. You, maybe you can have a little chat with us. Well, this is this the thing, yeah, I agree. If, if the Chilino beard, as we... As we speak right now is so good and it's well financed and it's such a dream deal for them why are they still entertaining the Farnan group why are they still entertaining together Leeds it's a big mm-hmm. question and if Leeds United is such a great purchase um, and it's, such, it's something that obviously a lot of people desperately want to buy because they're all trying to buy it then why when uh, David Haig and Andrew Flowers had it in the palm of their hand and exclusively did they pull back and say whoa we're not were not paying all that and revised their bid downwards. And the crucial thing with that is not only did they see something that they didn't know about and they thought was worth, meant that it was worth less than what they'd originally bid, they bid lower in the expectation that they would still be able to buy it. So that says to me that they must have thought that anybody else coming along... This is a hole that someone else will equally have to cover, therefore... Yeah, and will equally draw away. So they said, well, we can, e- we can easily bid lower and still win. Obviously, they hadn't counted on the King of Corn uh, chucking enormous amounts of money at it. The Colonel. The Colonel. Hey, hey. Did we have... We've already had Colonel Sanders as... Well, that's uh, true. 
what I was going to say earlier, we, we ne- never moved on to, was um, GFH in all this. Pretty fair to say they have absolutely nothing whatsoever like the best interests of our football club at heart now. It's very confusing to know exactly who is running it as well. It seems at times like even within GFH there are different things going on and that some people are agreeing to things, others not. There's the whole rumour about Narudding texting him saying, well done, you're now only United, while at the same time Haig's still trying to get well, where, where, where's people Haig? together. Where, where is Haig in this? Because he's been in the Spock's capital camp, um, he's apparently tried to align himself at different times with Farhan, um, and now there is talk of him having a job on the other side of a, uh, any potential Chilino takeover, so I think that would be useful if that was cleared up. Well, we've said all along with GFH and GFH Capital, David Haig, Salim Patel, the guys that we saw and we've seen every week and if there's a player signing, then one or the other of them's there and they're always there with the shirts and the scarves. They don't own the club and they never have. They work for the company that owns the club. Salim is on the board at GFH. He's an employee. He's a high-ranking one. He's got executive power. He's the but, head of head of investment management for GFH, the parent company. Yeah, but they're not the owners. There's a bunch of people. If you look, even just look on Gulf Finance House's website, look at the board. Who the hell are all those people? They're the people that own it. So David Haig is the one that's here, and Celine Patel is the one that's here, but they've almost been like a smokescreen. And it's weird, because if you look at the way Leeds United has been run, well, for the 11 months up to December, it's all right. Decent team on the pitch. Luke Murphy's very nice. Matt Smith's very tall. Zalukas was great up until Sheffield. And so that's, you know, teams going forward. Good manager. Friendly. Who would have thought that Leeds United would ever be involved with Stonewall? You know, that's interesting. That's good stuff. Adverts. Shops. All the things that we kind of said Leeds United should be doing to re-engage with Leeds and undo the Bates era was sort of happening. Now it's impossible to sort of work out who actually was doing that because yes. it's... It's, it's, it's Gulf Finance House have just pulled the trigger and gone, well, we, that was, it's like that was never a long-term plan to return Leeds United to how it should be. That was something they were letting people at the club do because it was that's how you run a football club. So it's like, OK, we, we've bought it. Go and run the football club as you see fit. And then when they decide it's time to sell it, say, right, stop running it well. Because we're selling it now. Just cut and run. Yeah. yeah, what we've seen is the tip of the iceberg. We've, we haven't seen anything that's been going on below the waterline. But then we've had warnings about the, the Berrydale loans, the Brendale loans. We knew of Sport Capital putting money in a, you know, a month or so back. It's a bit like Haig's been off spending on, on his dad's credit card. And then they've gone, bring that credit card back and you are getting this money back. You are yeah. repaying me for this. He's gonna we, have... are, we are not funding your fucking hobby. He's going to have to get a job now, isn't he? And yeah. Pay it all back. Exactly. And you're grounded. <laughs> Shelf stacking. <laughs> you need to get this money back. However, I'm not bothered how. So that's so we've there's this nice Italian man, Dad. So it's always been it's been this two track process where David and Slim have been very happy and smiling and letting people get on with running the club well. And we've always been on the GFH accounts as an asset held for sale. And now is the time when they've decided they want to realise that asset. And now's the time when we realise they don't care. They'll sell it to anybody. If you're a maniac and you've got a hundred million pounds to spare because it's not going to take the purchase price. I hope Ken's not listening. The purchase price is the purchase price. And then it was interesting to hear Sleem on Monday on the BBC saying Leeds United. He's got a funny voice at Sleem. He's strange kind of high-pitched. His comments on the Chilino one were rich when he said uh, about McDermott sucking when he said, well, I was in Bahrain and... My wife found about it on Twitter, of all places. As if he's not on Twitter all the time, winking faces. It's like, oh, imagine something being broken on Twitter. Nobody's broken more news on Twitter than Salim Twitter Patel. So that was one. And then he said about the financial situation, like all clubs, um, Leeds United operates at a loss, which is new news. No, it's not new news, but it's new to hear it from him actually saying, yeah, we've been running it at a loss. And it looks like it's been about a million quid a month. He kind of stumbled around saying, so that's why our strategy in the medium long term has been sustainability, which translated as trying to find somebody else to cover the losses. And then he ended up saying any investment bank like us is only going to cover those losses for a certain amount of time. And we've reached the amount of time when um, an investment bank like them has gone, 
why are we losing a million quid a month on this football thing that David was doing? <laughs> has anybody has anybody heard from it? Well, he's in uh, he's in Bataan again at the moment, actually. And he's, like, he's done some uh, scarves. Are only you can get a scarf for two pounds now. The, the Jacquard scarf. Uh, yeah, yeah. A white hot deal. <laughs> Um, I've enjoyed the way the club emails have, have arrived as if it's business as usual <laughs> stuff like that so finally then just to wrap up this bit are we a farce is it all a mess or is just this just the the eye of the storm and we're going to come out the other side soon it doesn't feel like the end is, any, is close the way it's going suggests that whoever does take over someone else will take them to court it's yeah. kind of the way it feels well we've got the winding up petition in from Flowers so unless he gets his money back, which is anywhere, there's, we know there's a one and a half million loan, his sponsorship money he might want back, which he's paying from McCormack, and then there's various other running costs he's supposed to put in. Maybe that's how David Haig is getting himself a job after this, because he's supposed to put in about six million quid. So maybe that's part of the deal. Is, there's, is, there's the one and a half million quid, which uh, Chilino has put in, apparently. Yeah, so he's, so he's already invested. Yeah, and that wasn't even to buy the club, that's just a loan. So if he doesn't doesn't get it, He's going to want that money back somehow. Everybody's just going to find a reason to sue each other over everything. And then in the midst of it all, we've got the fit and proper, well, it's the owners and directors test now, which GFH can come out in 10 seconds from now, that's a bold prediction, and say, (laughs) we have sold the club to Massimo Cellino, all the money is in our account, he is now the owner, and then the Football League may, you never know, find a way of saying, actually, we don't want him in our league, because... It is their league. So, no, you can't sell it to him. And then where are we? Because then GFH, I don't imagine they'll want to give that money back and Chilino won't be happy with his reputation being spoiled. If you failed an owners and directors test, then he's not going to be able to come back and go and... Because he's tried West Ham, Crystal Palace, had a look at Sheffield Wednesday, now he's come here. He's not going to be able to go anywhere else once he's failed the test once. So everybody's reputations, everybody's money, um, somewhere in the midst of it is our football club and absolutely no time scale on it ever 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 ending coming up well it turns out we've got some football matches to play as well in this coming fortnight which is a bit of a disappointment well we you never know it's a nice distraction really yeah, yeah. to be honest i'd love a football match about now and it's weird that we're not at home for another hundred years yes until after the next payday at ellen road so presumably wonga will be lending some money in for a payday loan for everyone we get all the lovely sky money aren't both these games on no no the brighton one isn't why uh, not we not should... on sky how dare they i was quite it's still it's still an awkward time and date to get to though which is good i was really surprised at the huddersfield game mm. when that was a three o'clock kickoff i convinced myself that it was going to be a lunchtime and was already woke up five in the morning, you know, <laughs> excited. Get your scarf on. Half and half. Mm. Yes, that, a three o'clock kickoff was uh, unusual. What time are we kicking off against Yeovil? Lunchtime. Half a... Well, the game has... Why? Is, the game is in jeopardy. They're trying to get the pitch ready, aren't they? It's, it's a good game to get all the way to and find it's been called off, mm. having left home at five in the morning. There were some um, tweets going around early because Yeovil have been... Um, begging, well not begging, but asking fans to go down and help them clear the pitch and um, Leeds fans have been tweeting around going, any Leeds fans in Yovo? Where is it, Somerset? I don't know. Yeah. Isn't, oh, that's a good guess. I say yes, I don't actually know, yeah. Isn't, it will be. Somerset stretches from about Bristol to Norwich, doesn't it? South as far as Brighton, north as far as Birmingham. Borders onto France, I believe, yeah. Yeah, to get down and help, to help get the game on, which is very public spirited. That's what we're known for. Yeah. Well, did, did we do want to do something similar in another um, down south resort somewhere? I can't yes, we we definitely redecorate helped with a redecoration process. I looked. I found myself this. This isn't going to be as terrible an admission as it sounds like it's going to be. But I found myself last night when you're waiting for statements to drop and things to happen, watching a video of the new corporate facilities at um, Harrogate Town. Yes. Simply because they'd said in the write up that they'd replaced the outdated, old-styled facilities that had been installed by previous chairman Bill Fotherby. Oh. So in a, like a bit of indignance, I was like, oh, well, let's see your new bloody decoration, see how good it is. God, they're going to be serving a new ale as well, which is sure to be popular with the over-18s. <laughs> I got about a minute into watching, I can't, the music was insipid and it was just shots of like IKEA furniture in a small lower league football social club bar 
yeah, I had a sudden moment of realisation and just closed the browser tab and thought, no, don't watch a video of Harrogate Towns. What's this got to do with Yeovil? <laughs> um, the game's been moved. <laughs> <laughs> to Harrogate? I have no idea what this is on it, what you're on about. I was going to say, why did you start leading to back Why did you start talking about that? Um, redecorating stadiums, interior decorating. It's all linked. Anyway, Yeovil, bottom of yeah. the championship division in the football tables. Yeah, I went to the trouble of um, checking how they're rated on whoscored.com. Um, they, their strengths... Are they sponsoring us yet? <laughs> We've not asked. Wankers. Perhaps we should. Um, do you want to know about Yeovil's strengths? Yeah, interior decorating or...? <laughs> I shall list them. Their strengths are counter-attacks. Okay. Oh, is that against? Yeah. yeah. All right. well, their weakness is number seven, um, and their very weakness is number four. So that's a maximum, that's a total of 11 weak and very weaks. Every player, then? Yeah, basically. We're so gonna, that's got some We're going to win, aren't we? We're going to win because we are back on four. Brian McDermott's Barmy Army. We're going to head south. A couple of thousand of us. We're going to go down to Whoosh Park, and we are going to turn them over on telly, and we're going to celebrate a bright future under Brian McDermott and stuff. Some, some other people. Yeah. Alternatively, uh, McDermott's gone. Gianluca Festa is our manager and he lives up to that stereotypical view that ignores the fact that it rains a lot in Italy and say that he's not prepared for a rain-soaked pitch at Hewish Park. Andrea Tabanelli gets his clearance, um, suffers a horrific facial injury in the first five minutes. Oh, no. <laughs> exactly. Fortunately, there are, I happen to know that there are... Plastic, uh, what, a, knot, a knot in his hair or something like that? There are plaster cast replicas of his beautiful head stored and uh, he is insured to a very high price and it all goes wrong that way anyway let's move on from this are we going to win because it may not even happen are we well, going to win? win is the game going to be played yes are we going to win yeah yeah okay Richard Nerman will score twice again yeah okay that happened there once imagine that on to Brighton we are away south again Brighton there ninth in the table at the minute are the team going to be staying can we afford a hotel between Yeovil and Brighton and just stay down there or does that like given the weather it's a too high a risk of... Because, I mean, Luke Murphy is quite weak, getting just swept away if we're by going down a, to a wave. Could we stay at Collins Farm for That's the week? all right. Barbecue. Not too far, is it? Barbecues all round. Can all stay there. You're welcoming with uh, Brownie and Tongy. You'd love to see him, I Brownie in a pinny serving pasties. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see it. Uh, sorry. I don't really know much about Brighton anymore because we played them... On the very first day, they're, a high point. They're a slightly annoying championship team in that we always seem to make heavy weather of playing them and they're always sort of in the upper mid-table. Not Never quite go up. I was looking at them this afternoon. Um, this isn't a whoscored.com thing, although they are apparently, um, they attack on the wings. That's what whoscored.com does say. I just had this sudden feeling that I think Brighton will spend the next five years, every season they're just going to miss out on the playoffs or maybe get into the playoff semi-finals and lose, and then after like five or six years they'll get relegated. That's my Brighton prediction. So yes, if you want a prediction for Brighton, I've just given you the next six years. They don't call me Moscodamus for At nothing. All. <laughs> and pliers. Alright, well, to be honest, it's really, really hard to forecast what's going to happen in the next fortnight when we don't even know what's going to happen in the next couple of hours, so let's just move on. Yeah, we can do. Yeah, might Anything well. to say about Brighton? Nah, they're a bit smug, aren't they? I, mm. I remember. I remember thinking I felt sorry for them when they had the stadium thing. I thought oh, it'd be nice. Oh, they're getting a new stadium. That's nice. They're going to be run properly, and now they're kind of run properly. And I just think, ah, fuck off and be shit again. Why didn't you just get Amer- put it on your American Express card in the first place? Exactly. Save all the trouble. And the stadium's silly little place as well. Miles out of town. What um, <laughs> what ale was on? Um, I believe the my one visit there, the bar was shut because someone had pushed the till off or thrown it at someone. The Ken Bates villain of the fortnight. Many, many candidates potentially for this one. It's the fortnightly award that we give to somebody who has contributed to our ongoing misery as Leeds United fans, and, and they don't get much more miserable than the last fortnight, really, gents. Oh, well, we beat failed. I didn't mean fortnight. I meant last, <laughs> last couple of days. Well, the last couple of days have actually been an improvement on the weekend when I think a few people gave up and started joking. Okay, I mean Friday. I did. Was it the um, 
somebody rewrote the GFH statement that they rewrote themselves when they were all angry about Andrew Flowers and his winding up petition saying that uh, Andrew and David were going to have a slapping competition um, on the pitch. For a company that has so many PR firms, they're not very good at it, are we? Are we just going? Are we going to nominate Ken Bates? Well, we better for nominate. We, we, first? we better, yeah, we better. For being, the, for being the root cause of yeah, and then we'll get all of this yeah. selling selling to GFH. Yeah, for creating the holes which GFH have failed to fill, which now someone else must fill, while everyone takes somehow takes a profit from it. Mm. Let's also nominate GFH as well, just yeah. f- for everything, yeah, mm-hmm. or all of it. Any further extensions on that? The, the, the fight, like the the lawyer guy, what's his name, Chris Farnell? Do we want to? Chuck a nomination in for him. Yeah, we'll chuck a nomination in for him because he sacked our manager. Yeah. I mean, and, he, and he wasn't allowed. It's for, it's like me phoning up Brian McDermott and say, Hi, Brian, Moscow here. You're fired. Experiment with it as you go about your daily life. Don't like service somewhere. You're fired. You're sacked. Self service checkout. You're sacked. <laughs> Until they added the detail <laughs> that they. Um, so it took me a while Got to get to shove a load of receipts in your note <laughs> receiver. See how you like that shit. <laughs> The, until they added the fact that security staff were involved, the image of Chris Farnell being thrown out of Elland Road by David Haig and Celine Patel. It could happen when Vinny comes to town. <laughs> it was just great. Imagine those, Chris, Christopher, I mean, we're really, me and Celine are really very cross about um, everything's gone. I really think you, you better... Well, stop punching me. <laughs> Get off the premises. It, it, yeah, it'd be like um, being sort of herded off the premises by a guide dog. But I like guide dogs. <laughs> Anybody else beyond Chris Farnell? It's obvious that we nominate Chilino just for... For instigating the, the mania. Preemptive strike against what his daughter describes as our future owner and president. I'm putting that down to a difficulty in terminology. And, and let's, let's nominate him for something exact as well, for not having the balls to follow through with actually sacking McDermott and for mm. sort of lying about it and being like, all right, well, I know I said in that interview that it had to sack him and he was asking to be sacked. What I actually meant was someone at GFH made me do it. Fester was and only I, I, did, be, yeah. I did sign a letter probably, but... It, it's, uh, David was stood over me, and he, he he's quite big, and his hands were like looming. And now, Massimo, I want you to go in there, and I want you to tell Brian that you we're not going to take it anymore. <laughs> there, there are limits, you know. And frankly, we've been—I don't want to use language like this, frankly—but we're pissed off. And so, please, Massimo, and we'll, if you go in there and you sack him, we'll let you buy the club. Yeah, it's unlikely. Who else? Luke Varney. Yeah, you don't refuse to play and then just expect to come waltzing back in. Although, last time I saw Luke Varney try to waltz, he just fell over. He ain't no filmer singer. Beyond Luke Varney, any other nominees, gents? The Farnham Group for not releasing this statement, because we're still waiting for it, really. Yes. In, yes. in the hope of tagging it on. We're going to have to do alternative endings. <laughs> it's um, It's 8.59... Um, and I don't think it's going to be tidy enough for them to do an actual nine o'clock drop. I think it's more when the lawyers are finished with it is when it will be ready. But yeah, for mm. not actually issuing that during the podcast. For not being thoughtful enough, really. Not being thoughtful yeah. enough. And also for Andrew Flowers for issuing his statement just before we started recording the podcast. And while I was walking across town in the pissing rain, staring at my phone trying to read a statement that wouldn't load. So essentially, we have nominations for all the protagonists in this and Luke Varney. Yeah, and I'd like everybody except for Luke Varney also to be nominated for doing all the interesting stuff after 11pm at night. For God's sake, tea time would be fine. You don't know what Luke Varney gets up to after 11 at night. Okay. I've heard heard he drives slowly around certain roads. We're also nominating Luke Varney for um, allegedly (laughs) co-crawling. That is made up, by the way. Who would we like to give this award to then? Is it possible to just, like, give a collective... I mean, Ken can't win, obviously, but can we just, for once, just give it to all of them? Even Luke Varney? Yeah, why not? I'd be happy with that. I don't know if it's if it breaks the rule. We're not allowing Ken Bates to win, so that rule is remaining robust. Multiple winners. Have we done multiple winners before? Never on this quite this scale, but we've never had a week of quite this scale before. Mm, it feels like sex- exceptional circumstances, doesn't it? Yes, especially when, um, out of the corner of my eye, I look on Twitter and see that Phil Hay is asking inventor of footballers with boobs, Emo, uh, for an update on the takeover situation. I feel like our world has turned upside down, and if we want to give it to a load of people, we should. I can't think of a single one of them who doesn't deserve it. So congratulations, everybody. That includes GFH, Luke Varney, Chris Farnell, 
Chilino. Salona Rudin I want to chuck in there as well for his texting of Chilino. The Farnan group for not adhering to our deadlines and quite frankly for not buying us. Andrew Flowers yeah. for his timing. Hisham Aures has kept too low a profile. He deserves to be included in this award. What's the status of their respective daughters with respect to this award? And also Chilino's son, because he was the one who, who started it by taking Instagram yeah, photos. Yeah, they can all have it. So their families too. All Luke, of, yeah. Luke Varney, Brian McDermott said he was trying to provide for his family with a move to Blackburn. Are they also included in this award? Well, the swaying his thoughts. A plague on all their houses. Any other business? Right, let's wrap it up then. Come on, God. Uh, issue 6 of the magazine is the current one that's out issue 7 will be out soon watch out for that uh, you can buy that at ellenrodandthesquareball.net and I think let, let's just go home let's, <laughs> let's to lighten the mood before we leave we're not going to watch Helen Daniels die again are we no, let's, no no let's, let's, hear, let's hear Neil Warnock yeah we'll, we'll let Neil have the final word in just a second trying to speak before that email podcast at thesquareball.net tweet at thesquareball find us on Facebook too we'll be back soon if we can here's Neil bye well, I look. I mean, you, 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 you what is it? You, 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 you get what you, you know what you, you know what you, you sow. What is it? What's that saying? You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Yeah. The Square Ball Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.